it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Absolutely. The one thing about the running back position I think is that's really important is that every home run, every run's not going to be a home run. They got to understand when the things are messy, right? As long as that we know where the ball's supposed to insert, right? And we can force a four-yard carry, right? Every every run's not going to be pretty. Every six-yard run's not going to be pretty. But the reality is when we run the ball with a certain intent and we understand where the ball's supposed to be and we're physical at the point of contact and we finish with line effort and line demeanor, um, you know, we expect to, to collect those four or five yard runs that aren't pretty. And that puts us in second and five. That's that's a good that's a good situation. I think I answered the question. I'm not yeah. That's 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 the emphasis for us right now. Not e a round of applause. EJ Barthel, a pretty easy guy to listen to. Bro, I've said that for fifteen years. Hey, take your four yard gain, hand the ball to the officials, snap it again. Mm -hmm. Second and six is a good place to be. Oh my goodness. And on top of that, how about Matrix Analytical coming out yesterday and saying, hey, last year's top young first-year fullback running back coach, you got to hear him yesterday. That's E.J. Barthel. So they got a good one there over at Nebraska. Are you, are you changing your pick yesterday, too, who would win a no, fist no, no. fight? <laughs> uh, I can't believe I slept on him. He is by far the, the biggest of the most fit. Mm -hmm. He is a monster, a big Broad He's the back. gay bourbon of that group. Dude. And I'm telling you, he talks mean. <laughs> Get the hole! Finish! Sounds like, oh, God. <laughs> He's not going to have any molars left. You're right. He's, He's grinding done. his teeth. Mike Schaefer with us now. Schaefer, good morning. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, um, why does Damon look like he's having his video from, like, an iPhone that's being held 15 feet away? <laughs> Am I far away? Seems, it's because yeah, you seem very tiny on this so, video. Hey, hey, here you go, Shave. I'm going to turn this uh, bad boy be, be, around Because, Shave, in my... Look, in, in look my, at his arm bar there on his uh, tripod. Uh, it, it's a farther away. Hey. So that's why he looks a little further away. Shave, right. you have good eyesight. Do you like... Wait, is this good? Hi, Mike, Jay. Um, hey, how are we doing? <laughs> he said, hey. <laughs> Oh, hey, there you are. <laughs> Mike, why will this be our last Friday with you? What do we, what do we, what well, do you no, have? This, what? It, it, this one didn't have to be the last Friday. It's just I wouldn't have been able to do Fridays during the football season. What's the new, so ende I, what's the new endeavor? Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm joining Jack Mitchell for the, the Husker tailgate again. Oh, um, that is so nice. You and Crazy Jack. So, yeah. Well, you know, someone has to hey, put up with them, and so I, I drew the shortest straw. <laughs> the, uh, so, so here's the deal, Mike J. Are. Who, who is like the balance of that show? Caleb Henry. Yeah, <laughs> and that's ben crazy Jack. too, because he's the king of snark. Yeah, dude hates yeah. emos. I can't stand that guy. Well, it's certainly not Jack, because balance has never been something for for Jack Mitchell, and then you know. There's certain weeks that all come in completely unhinged, and so someone has to be able to to, to bring, handle bring you back to earth. Right yes. <laughs> so, Shafe, at what point? And maybe you're not, but like I, for months and years, I'm a 
Stop me if you've heard this before. Common language builds in accountability. Common language, common goal. At what point, right? Does that sound, well, it sounds like some stupid DB would say. Shave, at what point are you like eye rolling that everybody sounds the exact same with common language, which does build in accountability? I mean, that's, that's just sort of how it goes, especially when you have a coaching change. I mean, I, I really truly believe that, you know, athletes tend to sound a lot like the coaches that they hear from all the time. And so you tend to, uh, for the lack of a better term here, you tend to parrot what you hear a lot. And so if they're hearing that a lot over there at Nebraska, they're going to be saying it a lot in the interviews. I mean, you could tell that in the spring, uh, whether it was Ethan Piper, um, I'm trying to, there was another person who sounded almost verbatim, like it was a Matt rule answer. Uh, and you could you could pick up on that, and that told me that they obviously were listening, and not just listening, but they were comprehending and and intently picking up what was being said. And so I regard that as a good thing. Like I mean, it it leads to somewhat canned quotes, and it you know you can't run the same thing every time. But I think for the health of a team, it's pretty good when you sound, and especially when you begin to act like your head coach, um, because I think it just means a reinforcement of what he's trying to set. And so if that's a good standard, if that's a head coach that's setting a standard that he wants everyone to achieve, including himself, then you're going to get a lot of that sort of parroting when it comes to time for, for media. Refreshing or boring, right? Because the last handful of years, you may get something different from coach to coach Yeah. from a Saturday, um, from a Saturday to a Monday to a Wednesday, and it, it was all the same team. Like, this is – Kind of, maybe it's what normal people do, but it hasn't been normal for us. You know what would be sort of refreshing is if they were boring instead of just completely out of, you know, out of step with each other. I mean, (laughs) last year, like, you have your your head coach and your offensive coordinator can't say the same thing in back-to-back media appearances. Um, You know, like, so I, I would rather cover this where it seems like there's a common goal, you know, common purpose, and they're working towards it. And maybe in three years it could be boring if everyone sounds the exact same. But you know it's not boring? And I feel like the fans are going to back me up on this. (laughs) Back him up. Back him up, fans. There it is. I mean, unless you're Iowa, winning isn't boring. So (laughs) Doesn't matter how ugly. I I think people would appreciate it, even if they start to, to feel like they're reading the same quote or hearing the same quote over and over. You know what they would like even more than that wins. And so if one begets the other, I think people are going to be okay. You know what I would like to hear even more? What in the heck is going on with that offense? Like, what is it going to look like? That's what I want to know. And I, I've been – it's the thing I've been asking myself, Shafe. I think everyone else has been asking themselves this too. But can I please get some insight into no. what this offense will look like? And that's the answer, right? Because no. we – You know we, what you're going to get, Andrew? You're going to get this. It's a positionless offense. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you can be lined up at fullback. You can be a tight end. You can be a wide receiver on any given play for Marcus Satterfield oh. because there are no positions. Except Jeff Sims probably has a position and the five offensive linemen. But the other five guys on the field, it really doesn't matter what their title is because they can be lined up anywhere at any time. And what does that mean for the visual of the offense? I have no idea. Same. No one does. And, and it's really easy for Marcus Satterfield to answer every question in a similar vein, and you have no idea what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a, you know, I don't think that's just happening. I feel like there's a little bit of an intent and design behind it. I told uh, DB. That's, that's 100% coach role question. <laughs> right. Yeah, I told DB that I feel like we're trying to read a 10-chapter book right now, and we're still on chapter one. 
with Marcus Satterfield. Like that that's kind of where I, I my relationship with that man is at right now. Yeah, well that's because every page in chapter 1 largely reads the same exact way. <laughs> yeah. so Common after language. You get through the first 8 pages you're like, "Oh, cool, page 9 looks the same." And then you try to flip ahead and you realize and this is where it gets kind of weird. It's the same page. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get a lot of different between now and that first game. Uh, Coach Royce. You're going to get a lot of similar answers. He's like, look, in its simplest form, in its simplest form, this offense, you know what we want to do? I'll t- I tell you, Coach, DB, listen, listen. In its simplest form, we want to make corners, tackle, and outside linebackers cover. At the end of the day, it's about matchups, and that's what we want to do. I mean, does, does that make sense? I was like, Dude, okay. I was like, listen, I don't want my corners making a living tackling, and I don't want my linebackers making a living covering. Okay, I'm in. Whatever it looks You're like, like, answer is. It's still true. not an answer, but it's an answer. Did you did you see someone tried to ask him about like the ratio that he would want or something oh, like that? Yeah. And his answer, and I'm paraphrasing it here, was essentially, "We'd like to run the ball well and pass the ball well." Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yep, and then he said we're going to run and pass. Yeah. <laughs> right, and like it's, you know, I, I, I kind of love it. Like, I, I'm standing up there yesterday, and it's just like, uh, I, I, you know, at some point in the eight minutes, you're just like, am I going to get an answer here that's really going to, you know, be evocative? Like, is it, gonna, right. is it going to evoke any kind of reaction? And it never really did. And I, I have to admit, in a weird way, I was, like, sort of proud of Marcus Satterfield for keeping that going for eight more minutes there. He's going to have probably two to three more opportunities to talk before the, the season starts. <laughs> I, again, you know, maybe it'll change. Maybe in week three, he's going to drop some big surprise on us. But I, I kind of think we're just going to be in the dark about this offense until we aren't. How many coaches do the you know? The preferences to have Bo Jackson. <laughs> that, that was another one. Uh, I guess who wouldn't want Bo Jackson? Uh, how many coaches do you know defer a uh, question to the head coach, like most guys would just talk through it and make their own, like craft their own response, and he just shut it down completely. That's one hundred percent. That's a coach that's, question. That's a coach. That's, that's a coach for rule. The head coach. Right. But but do yeah. you know what that do you know for me what that signifies? That's a guy that's part of a staff whose head coach has told them we will have one unified message. There's things for you to say. There's things that you can put back on me. Like. That has been – you could tell that's totally been ingrained. To- but that's, so isn't that just part of the rule DNA it of is. the coaching staff? I mean, that's, that's part of why, like, when everyone was just absolutely shocked that Matt Rule continued to hire people that he had known and worked with before, <laughs> it, you know, it should probably be somewhat – I mean, why not go get strangers? I mean, hey. Yeah. You know who's not going to talk and sound like me? People I've never worked with. You know, I have to wonder about what they're going to say in front of all of these cameras and microphones? People I've never worked with. You know who doesn't have that problem? Matt Rule, because he hired people that he worked with. I know it's stunning. He didn't run out and get Ed Orgeron to go be his defensive coordinator. It's just an absolute shock out there that he didn't go get, uh, you know, whatever name someone knows to be the defensive backs coach. He went and got people that he worked with. I know it's. It's just stunning every time this happens. Oh. And it's going to be an even bigger surprise. Their first coach opening that isn't Bob Wager is going to go to somebody that's already working there in Lincoln. I know it's just going to be a shock to the people who have their fantasy book coaching staff, but they might have to get over it sooner oh. than later. Uh, that's that's 100% coach role question. <laughs> I think I feel I sent a little snark this morning. <laughs> yeah, sure. the no, is to have this is all, this, it's all, you know, you might come across as snarky, but... <laughs> It's the truth. 
<laughs> you don't have to look that hard to find it. Shave. Yesterday I asked Bruncey this question, and uh, he couldn't give me an answer. So I'm going to ask you the same question, and we'll see if you can give me an answer. And it, it's about non-conference games. So uh, the loss to Georgia Southern last year really dampened the attitude and the confidence of the team, and then, you know, things started to spiral downhill after that. If the Huskers were to lose one non-conference game this year, which do you hope the L comes against in terms of easiest to recover from? Um, hmm. I don't think it'd be Colorado. So you take that one out. I think it would probably be the one right before Michigan, and you could sort of be like, oh, well, maybe they were overlooking – you know, whoever. So La Tech. La Tech maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, and so, and honestly, and I'm, I'm being entirely honest here. If you asked me to rank those three non-conference opponents, I could not tell you which one's the best out of the three. I don't know that anyone really could with any accuracy other than just throwing darts. Could you say the so, worst out of the three though? I, I think it's Colorado. I do. Um, and I, I'm saying that because I think their, their culture, where they're going to be as a football program could be really ugly for that TCU game and that Nebraska game because they have 30 some guys that are returning from uh spring practice to go play you know like they just don't have they don't have much built up and so because of that I would I would assume the two games at home are going to be against teams that you know they may not have as much talent but they may have a better culture and understanding of what they're trying to do and they may know the guy's name to their left or right so that could be a good start um, so I, I think that Colorado probably is the worst of the three teams Nebraska plays in the non-conference. But as far as like how, you, you know, if, if Nebraska has to go two and one, I think maybe that game right before Michigan could be the most um, survivable of the two. Mm-hmm. Could it be one thing if you beat Colorado, then you, you turn around and you lose that very next, the first home game of the Matt Rule era. You know, that'd be the third straight new coach to lose his first home game as the as Husker head coach. So um, you know, I, I would think you'd want to avoid that. So obviously they'd love to go three and oh, but if they go two and one, I think it'd be the game before Michigan would be the most palatable. Not that any of them would be. Mike J, do you have a, a dark horse that could run down somebody we're assuming is going to get valuable playing time? Do, do I have a dark horse for valuable playing time? Do you have a dark horse for as someone that could run down someone that we already oh. assume is going to get valuable playing time. So the problem I have is I don't know where this person is going to go on the field because he kind of lives in that between the second level, third level. And I, I don't know what his actual position is. Uh, but, and I, I don't even know how much of a dark horse it is, but I, I'm going to say Gage Stanger. Um, oh, that's definite. That, that's a definite dark horse. Yeah. Um, that's a guy that I really thought had a good spring. He obviously had a great spring game. I think he fits a little bit in that three-three-five where he can play two different. Uh, he can play two different, you know, levels there. You can utilize him a little bit differently. I think that he has some uh, some ability to him that that might surprise some people. You know, if you were a class A coach or whatever, not really. His athleticism is pretty well known to you. But for those that really haven't seen him or if they didn't watch the spring game, like, he's a good athlete. He's a guy that can make plays on the back end. So I I think Gage Stinger, and again, I'm not. I'm not looking for him to come out week one and just be a terror, but that's a guy that throughout the course of a 12-game a season can be helpful for you. Now, what about a transfer, Shafe? What about a transfer that you've really gravitated toward this offseason because he has a chip on his shoulder? <laughs> that seems very specific. Um, 
<laughs> I don't I don't know that there's anybody like obviously, you know, I gravitate towards Ben Scott because Nebraska's offensive line wasn't good, but that doesn't I, I have no idea what the chip shoulder level is there. No, it's just kind um, of reference like a guy that has a chip on his shoulder from a previous stop where he's like, um, okay, like now it's my turn. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like it would be an MJ Sherman or a Corey Collier or someone who expected more out of their SEC stop than they got. Um, you know, like I, but I don't, uh, I want to be a little bit careful as I say this. I don't have expectations for MJ Sherman. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, yes. I mean, I think that he is an unbelievable quote and I would like to spend time around him just because he's entertaining. But from a football playing perspective, I think it's a little naive to just assume this guy comes from Georgia, steps in as an all big 10 type player as a linebacker, like there's a reason he was in the transfer portal and it wasn't because he didn't fit into the culture and everything there at Georgia. He wasn't good enough to play there. Now that's the number one team in the country. And so that says a lot in itself, but I don't want to, I don't want to just assume that he's going to step in and be a difference maker uh, for Nebraska. But I, I think that he can be a helpful person on your roster, but is he better than Jamari Butler? I don't know that that's true. You know, we're going to get, people get really like, starstruck by the teams that these guys come from and we saw last year like it didn't work for Kane Williams I didn't think Stefan Wynn was a particularly big difference maker and I don't think that it's a big loss for Nebraska in this pad so where you come from doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh in prime position to to, to play but so I, I guess I'm, I'm a little hesitant with a guy like MJ Sherman I feel in a weird way, a little better about a Corey Collier. I can't explain why, but it's a similar type situation. So hey, let me, uh, Shafe, let me give you a guy that's off the radar that I think could have some impact as a, as a little bit of a dark horse. And tell me what you remember about his recruiting and kind of okay. how we felt about him during his time at Nebraska. Deshaun Singleton. Oh, that's that's a great one because he's a guy that's going to play and I think we knew that he was going to play. I mean, he had a really good interview in the spring. This was someone that the previous staff was jacked about when they were able to land that commitment over Kansas State in December of 21. Um, Travis Fisher, I think, said one time he basically, during a bye week, made sure he got over to watch Deshaun Singleton play. And by the end of the second quarter, he was, like, convinced that this is someone that could play for him. Um, so I, I think this is a guy, you know, I was talking with Bill Bush yesterday and he felt like Deshaun Singleton, sort of a classic junior college guy gets in, maybe needs a year to sort of figure out everything about transitioning to being in power five football. And Bill Bush is really high on Deshaun Singleton. So in a, in a position room where, you know, there's going to be playing time with the exit of miles farmer, uh, former DB guy, by the way. Big, big Miles Farmer guy back in his recruitment. <laughs> as is my shave. He was one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah. And, well, no, no, that's what I meant. He was – I remember you were high on him right away. Yep. Um, so, uh, there's there's definitely going to be playing time at that safety spot. And I, I think Deshaun Singleton's a name to know. I mean, same with Omar Brown. That's another guy that in that safety room, uh, he had a good spring. I think those are guys that people expected more from last year. But a, maybe after a year – they sort of are in a position where they're more likely to contribute. It's funny because you bring up Omar Brown. Remember Nebraska fans were kind of mad at Omar, and he was supposed to be this, and he's not that, and didn't didn't run the guy down here. And this year it's like, oh, man, I hope Omar, Omar's going to get it. Omar's going to do it. Miles Farmer leaves, and it's like, oh, God, he sucked last year, man. He's, <laughs> he's 
not going to get any better this year. I, the guys that are on the roster, <laughs> shape. I went on this rant yesterday. Man, they're they're going to get 100% better. The guys that leave, since they were bad before, they're always going to be bad. Don't don't you love that? The, that well, that's, isn't that how it works at the, the Major League Baseball trade deadline? It is. I just will... joked with Andrew this morning about Flaherty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, Cleveland trades off Josh Bell for a carton of milk. And, you know, Josh Bell goes four for five with a home run <laughs> and a couple doubles. And Cleveland gets no hit. I mean, that's just how life works. And Flaherty's so touching like, nah, 95, like, nah. 96 in the sixth inning. And he could Jack break Flaherty 90. is a really good pitcher. I don't know what happened there. Like, he was really good three years ago. So, if yeah. the Baltimore Orioles can find that version of him for, like, two months, they could be a fun team. In I think program. there's just something different in the water. <laughs> it be more. I guess. Maybe yeah. he was a fan of the wire. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Omar's all coming. all Omar's I know is coming. that that offense uh, helps him out a lot more than the Cardinals offense did this year. I can I can lay my life on that. If you if if you as a Cardinals fan would like to just give up on Lars Newtbar, there's a there's a city in northeastern Ohio that would love to have a Lars Newtbar. <laughs> hey, hey Shane. I think uh, the uh, country of Japan would like him too. Shafe, I got a chance to see him up close. Uh, how do you feel? Lars up- Newbar? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Newbar. Lars Newbar. <laughs> <laughs> More like Fubar. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Man, that's a big, <laughs> big ass dude. <laughs> wow. Shafe, sorry, I'll come back to you. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> I'm just hanging. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm trying to get my composure. Uh, how do you feel about Grant Bricks and uh, the recruitment? Um, you know, I, I think that Nebraska is certainly said, right oh. there in the mix of it. Obviously, this is a, a really important target. Matt Rule has made him an important target since the moment that he basically got to Nebraska. I mean, you go all the way back to one of the first uh, visits that he made was to watch this kid wrestle. Um, and so they've, they've made it apparent to Grant Bricks and to his family that they are very, very interested in having him in Lincoln. Obviously, proximity-wise, they're about 93 minutes from uh, his high school to Memorial Stadium, so no one's touching that in terms of proximity. And then guys like Daniel Kalen, Carter Nelson, et cetera, were all really involved in working on him when he was there for his uh, official visit. And I think because of that, um, he's pretty comfortable with that group of guys, too. And then, of course, he was back for the unofficial visit for the cookout. So I like where Nebraska sits with, with Grant Bricks, but you you got to acknowledge, you know, Kansas State and Oklahoma haven't exactly gone away. So it's not like, you know, Nebraska's sitting out in front here, um, you know, with, with a pretty clear distance. So you could have what largely could be considered a three-way tie, but he's expected to make a decision before the start of Logan Magnolia's season. Uh, I'm hoping to get over there next week um, to, to watch him practice and, to, to get another interview in which he politely but firmly tells me absolutely nothing. And then I will post that story on Husker 24-7. <laughs> what about Brandon Baker? Brandon Baker is an interesting situation. I mean, he's I, – I had already thought he had locked in that day for an official visit because we had written about it uh, earlier in July. But I guess that hasn't officially been signed off, so to speak. And even Baker himself told Brian Christopherson that yesterday. So, but I think he's going to be there that weekend. And I think, you know, Nebraska's chances here are better than people might expect, but they're still really going to be chasing Ohio State, you know, Georgia, Oregon in the mix. But I think Ohio State's kind of the team to watch. But the, the important thing here is his family really liked coming out to Nebraska for the spring game in April. And because of that, I think there's more of a chance here. He really likes the staff 
um, you know, whether it's Donovan Rayola to, to Matt Rule, he clearly connected with those guys. And so I, you know, I don't think this is just like, oh, I want to go take a visit. No, he's already been here twice. It's he wants to make sure before he chooses somewhere that he's crossing a place off and he feels comfortable that he did his due diligence. And I think Nebraska is going to be in this, but they're probably the dark horse. Shafe, you're amazing, and you have no idea. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it, man. Or maybe you do, and you just play it off. <laughs> we'll talk next week. <laughs> All right, see you guys. See you, Shafe. More CNC after the break.